0: Have you ever scrambled with thoughts on how you were going to entertain your guest at your big event or a big event that you were hosting? Why not treat your amazing guest with live music? Allow me to personally recommend to you a saxophonist that's guaranteed to bring his best every time he performs. Verl Tolbert is his name. His bilingual, language his enthusiasm, his smile will tell you his story. Verl played out my wedding and he was also a guest on this podcast episode number 4. A natural entertainer and talented musician, Verl T, the perfect choice for all events and special occasions. Playing smooth jazz, R&B, neo-soul, blues, pop, and gospel music are his passion. Saxophonist Verl Tolbert is from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and has been playing saxophone for over 15 years. Verl T plays alto, soprano saxophone, electric wind instrument, also known as the EWI, with a heavy dose of soul. Allow Verl T to help make your event something super special. For booking information, navigate to VerlTea.com. That's Verl, spelled V-E-A-R-L, the letter T, dot com. Welcome back to Defining Moments Podcast. This is episode number 32 with Matt Campbell. Matt's a pastor from Amarillo, Texas. A few months ago, almost a year ago, I saw a post through uh, Instagram, and I saw Pastor Matt Campbell in Manitou Springs. My wife, Marga, and I were there just a few months prior to me seeing this post, and I actually thought Matt was from Norman. He had had his OU shirt on. I read his bio. I became intrigued. He wrote a book called Me and My Mom, and I was intrigued by that book, and I wanted to know more about it. So we exchanged messages. Matt sent me a copy of his book, Signed, and wrote a little note in there. Here's a copy of the book. Matt, we all go through seasons. Your season that you wrote about was extremely tough. I don't know how you found the courage and the strength to come on to share that story. However, I am very grateful that you did, and I'm very grateful that you wrote about it. I passed your book on to a few of my friends and have really received a lot of great feedback. My wife, Marga, and I are definitely rooting you on from the 405. We appreciate you. We love you. Thank you so much for driving those four hours to come up here to record the podcast. I appreciate it. Also, Matt, thanks for the cutting board, brother. I look forward to seeing you soon, man. Love you. You are listening to Defining Moments Podcast. Hi, everyone. My name is Wong Lam, your host of Defining Moments Podcast. Thank you for listening in and showing your love and support to our show. A defining moment is a moment you define or the moment defines you. The world needs to hear about your defining moment. We learn from it, we draw inspiration from it, we cry with you, we laugh with you, we celebrate you. This podcast is your platform to capture and share your story, a story that will build bonds within your family as well as your community. When you share stories, we all gain a better appreciation for the unique people around us that we would not normally converse with. When was the last time you had a meaningful conversation with your neighbor? Said hi to a total stranger or even hugged a friend, be interested in others, be a good listener, have that deep, meaningful conversation, join the conversation. I'd like to acknowledge my beautiful wife, Margie, for her amazing work on this podcast, and to the guests that's taken their time and showed courage to come onto this podcast to share their story with you. Today's special guest is Pastor Matt Campbell. Matt, welcome
1: to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to talk with you. <laughs> and let me just say uh, for yourself and yeah. for Margie, uh, congratulations. Thank Way you. go. I mean, a couple years ago, <laughs> who would have thought that here I would be in more talking to <laughs> my friend Wong yeah. about my life, about my story, and how how many people have sat in this chair and have been able to tell their story in yeah. their own words. Way to go. Congratulations, I man. I
0: appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. I uh, I don't know if you remember, but on Instagram, I reached out to you about a year ago, almost. Margie and I got married February 25th of 2018. And the morning after we flew to Denver and brought her grandma a piece of cake, wedding cake. And so we had wedding cake and we took her to breakfast. Then we went up to Manitou Springs. And those same steps that you walked on or ran on, Mark and I walked on as well. And I thought it was fascinating. So you did yeah. the
1: Manitou incline?
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I thought that uh, you were from Oklahoma. You're originally from Tulsa. Because mm-hmm. you had an OU shirt on. So I was like, man, it's cool. And I started reading about your bio and the book that you read about your mom. I was intrigued. And mm-hmm. before we get into this podcast, uh, I know that you're a pastor and I be honored if you give us a little prayer before we actually take a dive into this podcast man appreciate it
1: I'd be happy to okay God thank you for stories thank you for giving us um, stories the good and the bad and as learning experiences that will help others uh, to teach them to comfort them and to guide them and God I'm thankful that Friendships can cross state lines, can cross country lines, can cross colors and races. And I'm grateful for my friend Wong. I'm grateful for his willingness and his wife's willingness to help others capture their story. So God would you bless them and would your favor rain on them? In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah, so <clears throat> reached out to you on Instagram. Thought you were from you, I, I really thought you lived in Norman, actually, and turns out you live in Amarillo, Texas, so you woke up at six o'clock this morning and trucked it all the way to Moore, Oklahoma to mm-hmm. be in person, and I admire that.
1: Uh, well, there's not much to admire. I, it is my day off, yeah, and typically I would be still probably asleep <laughs> or laying down, but yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thank, I'm, I'm just honored you invited me to come. and. Uh, pet your dogs and, <laughs> and chat with you.
0: Absolutely, man. You're you're married. You're a father of two. You're a, you're a preacher, and I mean, and we're going to take a deep dive into your Hall of Fame because you were a Hall of Famer in baseball. You got inducted inducted what 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what's the process of getting inducted into the Hall of Fame of your university college?
1: Well, <clears throat> the process for me was just getting a phone call from the athletic director, who happens to be a very, very dear friend of mine, his mm-hmm. name is Scott Womble, who, who in his own right is a wonderful author and thanker and teacher, and loves the Lord, but tremendous coach. He coached me in basketball my last year that I played, ba- I played basketball in college as well. right? And so the process was basically, however long, far removed from playing they they were desperate enough to need more names, <laughs> so they called, me, so they called me, and but what an honor, what an honor mm-hmm. it was, because I I drove from Amarillo to Tulsa, spent the night with my dad, yeah, and then my dad and I drove all the way to St. Louis, and it's actually his alma mater too, St. Louis Christian College, man, and all the memories and uh, network connections, and, yeah, uh, just things that we had in common Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't have gone to school there had it not been for my dad and that special sweet Mm -hmm. moment of being able to address everybody who had come and seeing my dad and it was an honor that I dedicated to him and to my mom yeah and having moved away from the St. Louis area after Mm -hmm. living there for about 15 years to come back and see friends people that I um I had fought for through prayer. Yeah. And had had loved them and they had loved me is such a special treat. Yeah. Such a special treat. So, yeah. That's awesome, man. What position did you play in baseball? I was a middle infielder. Okay. I would probably say I was man. I was best at second base. Okay. But the need I I probably played shortstop as much as I as I played second base, at least in college. Um, I pitched and there are no records, um, but um, I. <clears throat> some people stretched it out to like twenty people, twenty okay. strikeouts. Some people said it was thirteen, um, but in a seven inning game, mm. um, my claim to fame was I struck out seventeen guys Man. in one game, and so wow, it was against our rival, and we won, and that was a that was a special memory. Yeah. I wish my mom and dad could have been there for that one. Yeah. But they weren't able to. Yeah. Man,
0: so right handed, left handed? Mariety. Man. Yeah. What's your average uh, back yeah. in the day was uh, miles per hour on your fastball?
1: Oh, <clears throat> I wasn't a real hard thrower. Probably for our environment, I was, but I think the hardest I was ever clocked was 87 miles an hour. Something like that. So, Man. you know, guys who are you know who can really throw hard. If you're gonna be a pitcher at mm-hmm. a higher level, you really need to start getting into the nineties. Okay. To to do much, but I had a real quick release. I was just I was a far better infielder mm-hmm. than I was a pitcher. It was more out of necessity. I love turning double plays. Yeah. That was yeah. that was my favorite favorite thing to throw double plays. Yeah. And, you know, get your hands real quick. And my favorite player growing up was Ozzie Smith. Okay. And if I could have just done a backflip onto <laughs> the field like Ozzie Smith, shortstop for the Cardinals, greatest shortstop that ever played. Yeah. If, if I could have done a backflip. Uh, so whenever I graduated from baseball into softball, mm-hmm. that's what happens when you reach a certain age. I did a cartwheel. Or no, okay. not a cartwheel. I did a roundoff. Excuse me.
0: That's impressive. Yeah. That's impressive. So you're a Cardinals fan then? Yeah. Okay. My kids don't
1: have a choice.
0: No no choice, huh?
1: No choice. Speaking
0: of kids, how is your wife and how are your girls doing?
1: My wife, uh, my wife's name's Nicole. She's doing wonderful. And we've been married for 14 years, going on 15. Wow. And happily married. Yeah. I love her with with all my heart. And we have two girls, Mm -hmm. Lily and Evie. They're ten and seven. Yeah. And they're doing wonderful. Very good, man. Very good. Yeah. How are you doing though? Great. Yeah. I'm active. I try to stay fit. Try to stay healthy. Engage my mind. Engage my heart. Yeah.
0: And
1: don't take life too seriously. Try to stay down to earth, approachable and just a normal guy.
0: Yeah. Engaging your heart, engaging your mind leads me to a question. What are your morning habits?
1: Oh, man. I'm kind of a wreck in the morning. Yeah? I, um, If I could change anything about myself, other than maybe I'd be 6'5", you know, <laughs> uh, if I, but if I could change anything, it, the mornings would come more naturally to me. Okay. I'm not a real great morning guy. Um, but our family, we all get up at the same time. Okay. Get our day started. Nicole takes care of the girls. She makes sure they have clothes and they're getting, you know, braiding their hair, all that type of stuff. Yeah. I handle breakfast. Then I take the girls to school and we come back and we celebrate. And not really, but yeah. <clears throat> uh, then we get ready. But my habits, mm-hmm. probably what I would say are like my morning habits wouldn't begin until I get in the office. I'm not much of a, I'm a spiritual guy. I love the Lord. I'm a pastor. And so a lot of people probably think, you know, you have these profound devotional times. And I right. I, I actually, I, I don't particularly enjoy devotions. Uh-huh. And so, but my morning habit is when I get in the office, close my door and I have to create a little space inside my head, in yeah. my heart. And so I journal.
0: And That's awesome. for the last
1: few years, I've, use this what they call morning pages Mm -hmm. and anywhere from one to three pages you just try to get everything onto paper and i use an opportunity to write to the lord yeah and all all of those pages some of them look like prayers some of them don't look like prayers Mm -hmm. and some of them are very passionate and some of them are a little whiny some are just re counting my day before Mm because i want to remember and sometimes it's a sketch Uh, i know myself well enough to know that um before i i give uh or before i get and and put everything in i really need to kind of give a little bit and create some space inside of me and so it's just my way i just know myself really well that inside of me i think a lot and i have emotions and you know, I'm a deep feeler. And so I just got to create some space. Yeah. That's my primary morning habit. And if I could wake up in the morning and knock out a workout, mm-hmm. that would be incredible. <laughs> but it just doesn't come to me real natural. So,
0: Well, you look really fit. So you do work out to some extent. Oh, I don't I know think... if it's in
1: the morning or the evening, but you do work out, right? I do. I work out uh, right down the road from my house, place called Nick's Fight Club. In fact, I'm wearing my Nick shirt. Um, part of the Knicks Fight Club family. Okay, and uh, go down usually in the early evening, you know, five o'clock somewhere around there, get done with work, and go in and and work out. And it's uh, tremendous for my, you know, obviously staying fit, but for my mind, yeah, and, you know, it's just such a release, and I love it. And <clears throat> I used to run for years and years, and really had had slimmed down and leaned way down Mm -hmm. and now after having run a marathon and everything just hurting yeah i changed it up being a little burnt out now i go in and there we box right and we hit bags we hit mitts and do uh we can you can lift weights um sometimes get the opportunity to uh step in the ring with a real trainer who knows Uh what he's doing which is so fun yeah and challenging boxing is really hard there's a lot to think about between your your leg you know your footwork and your hands Mm and you know combinations of what you're doing it's challenging man It's so fun in the cardio it takes yeah when you said the fight club,
0: I was wondering if it was like boxing or MMA or a combination of both. I didn't know.
1: They train they train fighters for all sorts of stuff out of there. But primarily, I would probably say boxing and kickboxing. Okay. I've had a couple of fighters yeah. that have gone through Bellator, um, through, even through the UFC. Wow. And, and stuff like that. But even... So a lot of people think, you know, you hear Fight Club and these guys are really rough and tough, mm. but there's girls in there too, and they're probably tougher than the guys. Yeah. <laughs> but the owner, his name is Steve Nicholson, great man, mm. loves the Lord, and is so polite and giving of his time. The amount of people he has helped that will never step into a professional ring yeah. and look across somebody. Their motto is everybody is in a fight and everybody has a challenge in front of them and the number of people he's helped who fight depression anxiety um little kids who may be autistic Mm -hmm. and have sensory issues and come in and teach them how to manage their emotions and their body it is remarkable the work that they do in there and to to help people not just physically but what's going on up here yeah. as
0: well? Yeah, the mental side
1: is it's extremely important. They're so polite yeah. and they, they yeah. treat people with such such respect. And man. And from the professional all the way down to the person who walks in and says, "I need to lose X amount of pounds." They they treat her by the same.
0: That's legit, man. Yeah. Well, since you have this shirt on, you want to show everyone the logo. Yeah. We're doing video, man. Yeah, show it off.
1: Yeah. That's uh, Nick's Bike Club. Nick's in Lowe, Bike Texas, Club. And in Lubbock as well. Boom. They, they have uh, a <laughs> the gym down in Lubbock. So check them out. They're just wonderful people. So if I
0: were to come down and visit you for a weekend and go to the service, would they let me pop in and spend 10 bucks? Workout for a day? Oh, you don't
1: need to spend ten bucks. I'll get you in. I will get got, I got some connections. I even got some gloves. We'll get you all set up.
0: Well, I don't know the stories you told me about you boxing. I it'd probably be a pretty quick KO, not even a TKO. Uh, we, we
1: won't do none of that. We'll just hit some bags. <laughs> that's, that's that's what we'll do. Yeah. yeah. I actually watched some of the guys. They were getting ready for. um There were like six guys on the card, mm-hmm. and I was watching. I mean, it was real spark and I saw mouth guards flying. Us. And I thought anybody who ever has any desire to do this needs to come watch real sparring because yeah, it's scary yeah. how hard they hit, how tough they are. They're they're tough dudes, man. So I, and ladies as well. Oh yeah, I sh- for sure. I yeah, I should be correct about that because there's really tough, really tough gals in there too.
0: Oh yeah, we have a, I, we did a podcast with a girl. Um, she's MMA. Her name is uh, Julia Villa. And mm. she is, she's won her last two or three fights mm. by KOs. And
1: she's pretty legit, man. Did you see that picture of uh, the guy who, I don't know, he tried to like, uh, he tried to rob some lady, try to steal her purse oh, or yeah. something. And he didn't realize she fights for the UFC and yeah. he got messed up. Yeah. I mean, big time.
0: Yeah, he got broke off a little something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He, he bit off more than he can chew. Yeah, you were talking about a friend of yours, John King, and you you spar with him, you box him, you work out with him.
1: Use the word spar loosely. Okay. <laughs> he he's just an inspiration to me. Yeah. Um, and you know, humbly, I hope I am to him. I, I encourage him, give him a fist pound, and tell him I'm cheering him on every time that mm-hmm. I walk in that gym. He's a guy who has been through more than I'm aware. He's lost his mom. He's lost um, his little brother. Mm -hmm. He's lost uh, a dear friend or two. And the things that he's battled against um, are greater than the battles he's had in the ring or the octagon or whatever the cage, whatever you want to call it. And here's a guy who presses forward and he has a smile on his face and he challenges people and he helps people and he gives his time. And he spends, uh, his, his brother whom he lost mm-hmm. uh, was Down syndrome, special needs. And so John has given his life to helping yeah. uh, young, young boys and young girls who are special needs. And he works at a middle school about a half a mile from my house. Wow! And he's a big guy. And so what a lot of people don't know about um, those who are special needs is they're really strong. Mm-hmm. and so he has an innate sense of knowing what they're going through because yeah. his little brother experienced that but because they're also strong he's able to to outmatch a lot of their strengths yeah and you know or their muscle and just pure strength right know? but just a courteous courteous guy and you know shakes my hand every time i'm in there
0: that's awesome man great guy sounds like a gym and people i want to be around you know? meets so many people yeah. i used to
1: go to gyms and people come in and they pull their hat down and they just walk in and then yeah. they leave. And then here you come in, and you do a high intensity interval training class yeah, and you sweat and you laugh and you have fun and you know, people's names, you get to know the trainers and the owner comes out and he, he, he greets everyone and he says, bye, he's available to chat. Yeah. yeah. So it's wonderful. Oh man, man that's awesome. You've
0: been a pastor for almost 20 years, Mm -hmm. or maybe over 20 years. What got you into that in your studies? Um,
1: What was your passion? And then how did you end up in Amarillo? So, 38, I've been in full-time ministry for almost 16 years. Wow. um, But really got into ministry on a part-time basis when I was probably about 19 years old, 19 or 20. Um, In high school, I really had a dream to go play baseball somewhere.
0: Yeah,
1: Um, I struggled in the classroom a lot. And when it came time to choose where I was gonna go is either junior college or I had this opportunity. I love the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, I've watched my dad. My dad is a pastor. Uh, I have siblings who are in ministry and that was the route I chose. And they were able to accept me into school and so that was my that was the beginnings of how I got into ministry yeah and you know by the lord's grace he called me to a church in the metro east of st louis in edwardsville illinois yeah. and grew up there my wife and i <coughs> we got married shortly after we started that ministry and you know grew up there had kids and learned how to pastor people yeah and it was such an honor you know now not being in edwardsville to watch some of those kids grow up you know they're now in their 20s yeah uh, the people that you've walked through in good times and not in good times i mean i loved being a pastor for that mm-hmm. reason is you see people in such vulnerable moments and joy and pain and Um, so towards the end of my time in Edwardsville, um, I was contacted by a church in Amarillo, Texas Hillside Christian church. Yeah. And the Lord just did a work inside of my wife and I. And so we packed up, we moved all the way down to West Texas where it's dry (laughs) and arid, but it's beautiful. The evenings in the summer are beautiful. The evenings in the winter are really cold yeah and the people are courteous and nice and um you can trust about everywhere you go uh you're going to be taken care of because um probably somebody's carrying a gun That's yeah right. <laughs> right <laughs> so when we stand up on sunday mornings at church um we're pretty safe right you know people are watching out for us yeah
0: people got the lord <laughs> watching over everyone so That's good, man.
1: But I love being a pastor. It has given me, um, I'm addicted to the work of being a pastor. I'm not addicted to the job. You know, I'm not a workaholic by any means. Mm -hmm. Wherever I go, whatever the Lord calls me to, if he wants me to most lawns for the city, if he wants me to do whatever, I'll still minister to people. It's just a calling of my life because I love the Lord and because People have been positioned in my life to pour into my life. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't not do that where wherever I go. Yeah. And um you know, by God's grace, He's given me an opportunity to do that vocationally. Yeah. And I'll That's do fantastic. that as long as he asks me to.
0: Yeah. No, oh, there's no doubt. My next question is it's on the topic of um ministry. So How do you prepare when you do you you deliver sermons on Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, or how how does this work?
1: So the way that our church works is we have a teaching team and I'm not on the teaching team. I have a master's degree in preaching Mm -hmm. and. Here I am, thirty-eight. I got the degree when I was thirty, and I thought, man, I just want to—I want to preach so bad. Yeah. And here I am, thirty-eight, and and I really don't have a strong desire to preach. Mm-hmm. If the Lord wants me to do that, I'll do that. Uh, but in order to get ready for for a teaching, is sometimes it comes very easily, and sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't come very easily. But there's always work to be done. The challenge is when you do it over and over on a week to week basis mm-hmm. then the discipline of preparing those messages is shown in the very fact just by you being a learner yeah and so anybody can go and repeat the same teachings and messages and uh, regurgitate all of that but for someone who's always learning who's who's always constantly growing in their faith or in their trade whatever. It shows, yeah, and how they teach,
0: yeah. Do you see members of your congregation out at restaurants, Target when you're doing
1: shopping or eating out with your family? We do. Yeah. My role isn't as public as some of the guys in our church. They don't yeah. have as much privacy, and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I, I I enjoy being with my family, and right. I'm not a I'm not a glad hand type of guy. Yeah um not that not that any of them are what's a glad hand uh kind of like a political guy they're always looking oh just, hey pastor how, how, are you how, doing? Doing, okay. how are you doing man so, <laughs> i got you I, this is not really the type of guy that i am i love to be friendly and right anybody wants yeah. my time but yeah you know, I, I don't know how i would handle being such a public figure mm-hmm. it would be a totally different thing but we do have we do have a few in our community that it's hard to go to a coffee shop or out to eat with them because they're so known. They're always on mm-hmm. a screen somewhere, or s- they've seen them in a picture somewhere. Yeah, and um, so I, you know, I'm not in that capacity of influence, but I certainly have uh, a range of influence with people in our community. Right, and I, you know, I've lived there for four and a half years. Mm-hmm. It's a tight-knit community in Amarillo, in in the Panhandle, wonderful people. Uh, The longer you're in, in basically, in in an area, the more people you know. Yeah. And, yeah.
0: What are some questions, maybe a couple questions that you wish people would ask you, Mm. but they never do?
1: I wish they would ask me... um, That's my allegiance in college football. Um, I'm an Oklahoma fan. Yeah. Uh, Things that are more down to earth. Mm -hmm. And when people see you on a stage, they can, there's a lot of haters in the world and they pass judgments on you. And um, sometimes uh, they can think that, wow, that person must not be very this or that based on judgments from a distance mm-hmm. and so i i wish people were you know i could just sit down and have coffee with more people yeah and do what we're doing yeah exactly right that um you know i'm i'm not pastor matt i'm just Matt. yeah and i'm just a normal guy and sometimes i have worries whenever i go to sleep at night and sometimes mm-hmm. i don't even want to go to church on sunday mornings yeah and sometimes yeah. i don't want to wake up yeah and then there's other times um, when I'm just super excited. You know, I wish I could talk more about my kids. Yeah. You know, Lily and, and Evie. Uh, I was just talking to Lily last night. She was she was laying in bed, and um, she loves to draw, especially as of late. Yeah. And she's so proud of these drawings that she had done. She, knew, she figured out how to draw mountains. And it just just me so much joy yeah I just thought, never did i ever think that the job of being a dad which is really hard it can mm-hmm. be very frustrating would i just be so happy to see a little girl 10 years old love to draw mountains and color them and be so proud of herself right and so those are questions i would love to talk more about um the organizational things of church um you know because we are a church there mm-hmm. are you know, there's a structure to it that doesn't tickle my heart. But what does tickle my heart is talking about Jesus mm-hmm. and talking about Scripture. And I would love to just talk more about this man that I want to become like. Yeah, and wow. um, I love Jesus, and uh, I I, would, I love talking every opportunity I get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I've got a, quite a few friends that are, um, they're not pastors but they're very devoted christians and i could name a couple of my head his name is also matt but it's matt bennett or uh, nate gomez justin rosen Andy schneider these guys are in the wrestling community nate's too. been on your podcast right nate gomez has been on the mm-hmm. podcast a couple of times
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: so it's, uh, it's really interesting coach schneider came on the podcast I'd like to get a uh, mr bennett to come on to the podcast Come yeah, on, so, Mister Bennett. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know why I'm beeping, but I don't know either. Nonetheless, <clears throat> man, it's a it's fascinating hearing, and I think that's just a part of you. You know, just that's just a part. The biggest part is you want to be become that man. You know how how can I get there? And mm. to me, I, there's yeah. never a finish line. There's always growth and always learning, and so. If there's no finish line then what what are we doing well it's about leaving a legacy and having others understand this more and through your voice and through your
1: more importantly your actions Mm -hmm. that's going to be i think that's hard about life too is knowing like what you know what is the end goal if there is no finish line or what is the finish line Mm -hmm. um legacy is just so important right um it was interesting about that question is, is you know, like how <laughs> it planning to be remembered in, is different than actually than what you leave behind. Yeah, right. Um, you know, planning your legacy is actually different than the legacy you leave behind enormously right. different. Yeah. Um, in my 20s, it was a little more superficial. Mm-hmm. It was a little more... Not all about accolade, but more position-driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, What I was going to do for a living, the things I was going to accomplish. Right. In my 30s, I'm far removed from that. <clears throat> my yeah. ambition could probably stand to grow a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm far less concerned about what anyone else would think. And I'm a lot more concerned about what the people who are closest to me think. Mm-hmm in particular so you know, certainly my wife and um and both my girls but anyone who's near and around me yeah uh, <clears throat> there's just so many haters and there's so many misunderstandings in our world mm-hmm. that you you won't make everyone happy and i would rather get the things right yeah. that are right in front of me yeah. than the things that i can't control the misunderstandings right and if someone misunderstands uh who i am but my daughters understand who i am yeah i think i've done something right yeah and so you know i definitely uh um because i love the lord because i, I would probably say because i take god seriously yeah i'm going to be a faithful husband a loving husband a tender and um compassionate father very protective love it and uh down to earth salt of the earth type of guy yeah and if the lord gives me an opportunity to influence beyond that yeah um it's going to be you know through he's created me to be yeah and the older i get i kind of think mm, i think i'm becoming a more complete human i love it uh but i'm not where i need to be yeah so
0: yeah speaking of influence how does uh
1: Matt contribute to society? It's mm. a great question. Mm. I think probably I think there's a couple of ways to look at it. There's you know how effective are you at that, and how faithful are you at right. what's been given to you? And <clears throat> I I like to go the route of you know the things that have been entrusted to me. Yeah to be faithful in those things. Um, so how I contribute to society, I like to say that I'm kind of in the restoration business. Okay. I, you know, God redeemed me. Yeah. He, he brought something good out of the ashes of my life. And if I can help people find that in their life, mm-hmm. maybe in their marriages or in their homes yeah. in the name of Jesus, uh, man, that's, that's the calling on my life and to be a friend people who don't have a lot of friends. Yeah. That's pretty I, powerful, man. Yeah. And <clears throat> I guess it is. Um, you know, I just, I feel like I don't have anything significant to contribute other than to be a friend to people yeah. who need a friend. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what Jesus did. Yeah. I think that's what made him so significant. Yeah. Our pastor, what I love, I, I love our pastors. His name is Tommy. Um he, what i admire about jesus he says this as he says people who are nothing like jesus Uh liked jesus very much okay i love that yeah i love that i get that he crossed all these divides yeah he built bridges and um yeah man you're also a songwriter
0: or a song composer you write music
1: a little bit yeah I wish I was better at it.
0: Well, you have a couple
1: CDs, a couple albums, and songs. Yeah, my my uh, my role has probably been more of the second. We're actually yeah. getting ready to work on another. Yeah, uh, we just talked about it this week, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, songwriting is really hard. I mean, in any type of art that you do is is really hard. There's right. there's the initial idea, and then you rework it, and you mm-hmm. rework it, and then you rework it, and then you, mm-hmm. it and then you give it to an editor and they screw it all up and yeah and then you rework it again yeah. and you know eventually down the road which you end up with the fruit of all that work is what everybody sees but the journey of getting there yeah that's the work of love right right it's the work of love man
0: you you drove four over four hours to to get her today and uh wow uh, you're so worth it brother. no i appreciate it it's, i'm just completely honored that you would just do that, you know. And this is the second time I've met you in person, and I'm the type of guy who likes to meet people in person, and because I feel like your your voice throws out a a certain frequency, mm-hmm. and ears are very sensitive, so we can hear your frequency. But when I'm able to see the body in motion, man, it's it matches the
1: frequency, brother.
0: Mm. I definitely appreciate it, man.
1: Well, I'm glad that my Insides match my outsides. And yeah, man, absolutely. What you see is what you get. Type <laughs> thing. That's right. So this podcast is about defining
0: moments, and uh I don't know if there might be a one or two that you'd like to share with our listeners. Uh, and now, video podcast to what well, I guess a defining moment is maybe a setback or a few setbacks in life, and mm-hmm. how did you overcome those setbacks, and what was the outcome of that?
1: Yeah, you know, I was talking earlier about um, the classroom mm-hmm. and school. School was—I don't know if it was a setback, but it was definitely a really big challenge for me. Yeah. Looking back, I'm pretty sure I had a learning disability. When I was in elementary school, I was playing basketball. It's one or one or the other. I was playing basketball and I got tripped mm-hmm. and and I flew into a cinder block wall. I got a real massive concussion, and my wife doesn't think it has anything to do with it, but my retention rate isn't real high oh so I wow. constantly have to keep things in front of me and I'm convinced that it's either I have a learning disability or it's because I ran into a wall <laughs> <laughs> one or the other <laughs> um, but the classroom was a very big challenge for me and in particular tests mm-hmm. uh, the irony is I love to learn have an insatiable appetite to learn mm-hmm. but the the a container for learning i really struggled in yeah test taking biology science math
0: um, wow
1: pe i did okay in that one but, yeah <laughs> uh, did quite well um, yeah even in the college i really struggled um in yeah. fact my first semester i was on academic probation and test taking was just really it was a challenge for me wow so uh when I graduated from college, mm-hmm. I immediately entered seminary, graduate school. Mm-hmm. And one of the greatest honors of my life, having looked back on you know, I wasn't a real great student. I had a I think in high school I had a 2.6. Wow. In college, I probably had a 2.7. Yeah. And then in seminary, we didn't take tests, we wrote papers. Wow. And so I got to the end and part of my degree was you wrote a thesis yeah. and I went and defended my thesis before my advisor. And then I walked across the stage. That was one of the greatest honors of my life because yeah. I knew how hard it was, not just in graduate school, but I knew how hard it was to get through college, mm-hmm. to get through high school. Mm-hmm. And it was a great setback. I mean, this it it was hard. Um, when you make a 16 on your ACT, there's not a lot of education opportunity in front of you. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, the classroom and, uh, some of the things I write about in the book, really the book is, is almost an anthem of my own setback of going through grief. Mm -hmm. And it was an opportunity for me to, um, put in my own words what was going on in my life you know i had a master's degree in preaching well this was a master's degree in grief yeah (laughs) yeah. it was was kind of my thesis for grief having been made it through and made it to the other side but it was marked with i'm being just brokenhearted yeah and being um you know to some degree depressed you know, that landed me into a doctor's office after a couple of years. Yeah. Um, so that was definitely a setback. But the redeeming part of all of that was I made it all the way through school mm-hmm. and the people who thought, oh, Matt, he's he struggles a little in the classroom. Yeah. Well, that's the same Matt who went across the stage yeah. and got a hood put across him yeah. for his master's degree. Yeah. And the same Matt who was a shadow of himself for two years, has emerged into the truest version of himself. Yeah. This is just amazing what God can do. He yeah. redeemed that grief. And now I have a huge heart for the brokenhearted. Yeah. Because my heart was broken at one point. Yeah.
0: You graduated high school, 2.6, 2.7, same in college. You got your masters, and you talk about brokenhearted, uh, depression. What what do you mean brokenhearted and depression? What what kinda of
1: led you into, into that? So when in two thousand four, it was it was real it literally at the same time when our family had moved from Saint Louis area all the way over to, to Texas. We're going through all that. I'm real lonely. Then my mom gets sick mm-hmm. and beginning in two thousand fifteen she passes away. Mm-hmm. And uh, I write about that in my book. And so <clears throat> I'm already kind of lonely going through all of that. And I had walked with so many families through the loss of a loved one. Yeah. Thought I knew what grief was like. And I found out that you can know all sorts of stuff about grief and never understand it. Yeah. And my perspective has changed so much now because i knew what it was like to have your day wrecked when a song comes on and you hear it and it brings these thoughts about your your mother or your loved one for that mm-hmm. matter right and i um i was just i i was lonely and um because i was lonely it ended up really kind of isolating myself from people i would go into these right. meetings at church and um meetings when they expected feedback would just shrink back to the back of the room. Mm-hmm. And uh depression has a way of robbing you of yourself. Yeah. And there's this shadow, man, I wish I could be, I, I know who I am. My shadow is always following me. Yeah. And but to make those come together and everybody has to go through that. If you if you battle some form Brokenheartedness, depression, whatever you want to call it, yeah. you have to go through that fire. And once you go through the fire, on the other side, there is this beautiful life that springs forth. Yeah. And uh, you know, for me, I, I manage that, and I have, you know, certain triggers in in my mind that I,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I know. One of the reasons I journal so much is there's so much inside of me I don't know what to do with. Yeah, I have to get all of that out it's really right. important right and um so now when people who are brokenhearted i i have such compassion for them yeah and brokenheartedness is is a beautiful thing mm. it's heart it, being heartbroken is heartbreaking yes uh i read a i read a book by a guy named parker palmer wonderful wonderful thanker author and he writes about being brokenhearted in his book. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's the name of the book? Um, Let your life speak. And when someone has a broken heart, one of two things is going to happen. Yeah. Either they're going to blow up and they're yeah. going to hurt people, do all sorts of things they regret, or your heart's going to crack open, right? And you can do heart surgery on yourself in a way that you could never do it otherwise. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened with me. And here I was, a guy had grown up in a home that loved the Lord, um, never had a salvation moment. Yeah. I was kind of discipled into the faith, and all of a sudden, my mom dies, and the deepest chambers of my heart open up, and I realized, oh man, I I don't have it together. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm really not I'm really not all that perfect or right. good or, um, and so. It was a way not only for me to, to air out and to look at the details of the pain of losing my mother, right. it was really a way for me to explore who who am I mm. in the deepest parts of my being. Yeah. And God taught me so much about myself. Yeah. Um, and my my wife who's so loving and gracious and understanding was the beneficiary sometimes of when some of that rose to the surface. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, I'm grateful that she, she loves me and cares about me. Uh, and now she gets to see the best version of myself I've yeah. ever been in my life. It's awesome, man. And so while I would never want to go through that again, yeah, I'm so grateful that I did. Yeah. And God redeemed it. And, um, you know the Bible says honor your mother and your father, mm-hmm. and I have a responsibility to honor my mom. And yeah. I think she'd be honored yeah. by how I've chosen to lead my life and what I've done with with her passing. Yeah, yeah, I love her a lot. I miss her.
0: Yeah, yeah man. Uh, I read that book uh, about three times, and there's there's a few quotes I, I want to talk about. Before I go into those quotes, though, you you talked about Nicole and. Helping you through your moments or your valleys, and you went through depression. How did you seek? Did you seek help after a certain time dealing with depression? Mm-hmm. And when was that point where you got you had to have a heart-to-heart talk with yourself? I, hey, I've got to seek help.
1: Yeah. Well, you know the thing about depression is, it's it's not the type of thing you, you put on Facebook. Uh Uh, most most don't and there's a lot of shame and maybe even guilt that's involved a little bit it's um because you're really not yourself Uh and there were a couple things that i don't know the best way to say it other than to say that that i had to have some things remind me that i was alive and there were two things that that did that for me Uh Um, number one was my wife, Nicole, yeah, and she held my hand, yeah, when we were in bed at night. Aww. she held my hand, and just that physical touch yeah. of knowing I'm not alone, that she loves me, and she's here right next to me, and the other thing, the greatest joy in my life is to lead worship for our church, nice and um i f- I still feel, but during that season, especially. I felt so alive when yeah. I was leading worship. Yeah. And so my two greatest relationships, my spouse and the Lord are what carried me through that season. Yeah. And reminded me that that I was alive.
0: Yeah.
1: Um I changed my diet and uh anybody who's going through some type of whether it's depression or anxiety, I think they're two sides of one coin. I got anxiety is is very everything's really fast; it's bursts, it's, it's full of adrenaline. And depression is a little bit more of the other side of the coin. It's like everything's slow, mm. and you feel a little sloth, and yeah, and it doesn't. You don't feel like yourself. Like you want to, you want to have a cup of coffee for your soul, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, you, you can't get there. and You just got to fight through it. But I always tell people, there's a couple of things you can do right off the bat. Um, I think always to pray, mm-hmm. to seek the Lord. There's nothing greater you can do. Mm-hmm. Do that. And through that, you can be led to a number of people, connections that you have. Yeah. Um, to look at your diet. Yeah. Sugar, cravings. Um, you don't even know... I, We could get into a whole other thing about diet it's so important you know how it changes your mind uh, the way you feel the way you wake up you're resting Uh, but what's necessary i think too is to go get a blood panel
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You, you don't know what you're working with that's underneath the surface so if you have a thyroid issue yeah or your blood sugar is off here you are trying to work through grief and you don't have just grief. You've got all these other things going on. Yeah. And so if you can if you can get to the root of the issue, which is exactly what I did. Yeah. I wanted to make sure that my thyroid wasn't jacked up. Which... You're speaking my wife's love language, man. She's a health coach. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. She's doing the work. So nothing can energize your life better than cleaning up your diet. Yeah. And and giving you energy to wake up in the morning. To accomplish what it is that is set before you. Yeah. And just to feel good about yourself, give you confidence. And what we're, we're a couple eating
0: habits that you change during your season of depression till now? What are a couple foods that you've changed besides the sugars? Have you gluten free or
1: what have you done? I mostly, I try not to eat a lot of gluten. Yeah. You know, on the way up here, I did have a nice sandwich.
0: Yeah. But, um what, what but a health I, coach would think about that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have you know I'm not allergic to gluten or right. anything like that. You yeah. know, I'm grateful I don't have any food allergies yeah. that I know of. Yeah, uh, but limiting your sugar, mm-hmm. you know, things like soda. Mm-hmm. Um, I discovered Zevia. Zevia is really good. Oh yeah, I love Zevia. Yeah, there's one Virgil's the vanilla cream soda by Virgil's. Ooh man, that's so good. Okay, um, it's my favorite. Um, but definitely. You know, sugar, um, limiting your gluten. Mm-hmm. I tried to do keto um, for a little while. I just got really angry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so now I just have a really more of a balance, try to eat clean. Right. Um, you know, one of my favorite meals is we have an instant pot. Mm-hmm. And I'll put quinoa in the instant pot mm-hmm. and grill up some chicken and use like coconut amino acid. Ooh, that's one of my favorites. Dang. I love that. Man, Margie does a
0: fantastic job. We just got through with her Whole30, mm-hmm. and she took off one weekend and cooked 30 meals and frozen. them. That's amazing. And Instant Pot, Crock-Pots, you know, we even use a rice cooker not to cook rice, but to steam it, you know, steam food. And have you it done for have you rice job. in the Instant Pot?
1: No. no. I've, heard, I've heard it's almost as good in the Instant Pot as it's, like, actually in a rice steamer.
0: Man dude, it's tough to beat that tiger, man. I mean, if you Asian and you using something else besides the tiger. Of course,
1: woo. you know the real thing. I man. know the real
0: thing. Uh, yeah, that's exactly why <laughs> we are talking about pressure, we talking about volume, we talking about temperature. Mm-hmm. You know the grains of rice got to yeah, anyway, I don't I think, yeah, yeah dude. too
1: scientific right now. But I think anybody <laughs> who when they when you go through any health uh I don't know if you'd call it a crisis, yeah, but a challenge like that, right? One of the best things: is step back and look. What am I eating? Mm. How am I caring for yourself? For me, the other thing is is diet and exercise. Yeah, it. I used to run a lot, um, and it was great because those are moments of solitude. Yeah, you're, you know, by yourself. I never ran in a group, but now going and working out with people, I love it. So. But just getting all of the endorphins going in my yeah. head. It's, oh, it's so it's so good. It's, yeah. it's as much good for your brain as it is for your heart, mm-hmm. in my opinion. That's so true. You're talking
0: about taking care of yourself by changing your eating habits. I, I, that's so yeah. important I, because if you can't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of anyone. Mm-hmm. That, that's for sure, right? And you talk about running by yourself because that's your own time. And then now you love working out with a group of people. And like I mentioned earlier, man, the group of people you work out with sounds like you surround yourself with are top notch people, mm-hmm. guys and girls, working out,
1: same beliefs.
0: You know, it's, it's awesome. A
1: community. But, yes. Well, with the beauty of what they do there, it's, it's unique. It, you can go anytime you want. Mm-hmm. So the class is made up of, of a member who, Just wants to go to that class right Um, but you start finding people you go the same classes all the time yeah and you get to meet them and know them which i which i love being a pastor the majority of people i meet are through church yeah well now i start to meet other people beyond the church yeah and that's great for me i love it
0: that's awesome man i want to go back to you being an author about the book that you wrote about your mom there's a few Quotes, actually, I'd like to pick your brain about if you don't mind. Yeah. The first one is, uh, we must give gifts to each other and have fun with one another, but the roots of love are set in moments of understanding. That one stood out to mm. me, especially the part, the roots of love are set in moments of understanding.
1: The roots of love. That sounds good. Somebody put that in a book. Man, I it sounds like I'm sitting across the table from them. <laughs> yes, I think you know when i wrote that in the book i was writing about my mom lost her dad mm-hmm. when she was 16. and so uh, her brother George was being a little bit older he was working and there are so many moments for my grandmother and my mom to be together by themselves mm-hmm. both in their own brokenness one lost their spouse the other lost their dad mm-hmm. and while they don't understand what it's like to lose a spouse or lose a dad, they do know what it's like to lose someone. Mm-hmm. And so in those moments of sitting on a couch or being together and eating supper, maybe they say words of comfort to one another or not, whatever that looks like, but just being together in their own brokenness yeah. had to have been had to have been um they probably didn't even know what they had at the time. Mm. And I i, I read this in the book about being, I don't know, maybe like seventh grade. I had this really embarrassing incident in a locker room and um, got made fun of and got this security officer goes and he searches my locker. Because he thought I was, he thought I had drugs. Drugs, yeah, yeah. yeah and I'm yeah. Like 13 years old and like, I, I don't even know what drugs <laughs> look like. I don't know what they smell like. I don't right. know what they do. And here I am. Um, he's asking me if I smoke marijuana and what exactly is that, sir? You know, so, um, so I go home and I'm 13 years old and I'm not worried about smoking weed. I'm worried about growing armpit hair when I'm 13 years (laughs) old. So, um, and so I'm embarrassed and I come home and I'm not a real, wasn't a real great student. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not great at school. All of a sudden. I was kind of the laughing stock yeah. and they think I might do drugs. Mm. I thought my life was over. And so I'm in my room and um probably crying very manly tears. Yeah. And my mom comes in and she doesn't say anything. She she doesn't know what it's like to be accused of doing drugs probably. Mm. But she just comes and she puts her arm around me, and she just told me she loved me, yeah, she knew what it was like to be broken, yeah, and in that moment, I didn't need someone to coach me about my response, right. I needed someone to come and put their arm around me and just say, "I know what it's like, yeah, to be sad too, yeah, and wow. you know, I was like thirteen years old then, yeah, and i I even remember the the last let me think here, the last Christmas I celebrated with my mom is in thirteen, so in fourteen, we re- didn't really get to celebrate with my mom. She was she was in uh, rehab. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, you know, 2013, we're at my parents' house, and I am just burdened with worry, weighed down with these anxious thoughts. And I march down the stairs. It's Christmas morning. Mm-hmm. I sit and I talk to my mom. She doesn't tell me what to do. She doesn't tell me what I need to do. We just sit with cream in our coffee and she listened. And I knew that whatever I chose to do, my mom was gonna be there for me. And so the you know, that moment was connected to when I was thirteen. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I'm thirteen is connected to all these other moments. And yeah. you know, the roots of love, they are set in moments of understanding, those tender moments right. of understanding and Everybody tries to have answers in our world today. Yeah, You don't have to have answers. And sometimes you just need to be quiet and just say, hey, I'm your friend. It's okay. That is powerful, man.
0: I dog-eared a lot of your pages because there's quite a few quotes in here that I'm interested in, which leads to my next one, and that was brilliant because you also wrote, a listening ear is medicine to a weary heart. You just crushed that.
1: We, uh, It is. uh, Listening here is medicine to a weary heart. I think of, I I wish I listened better at home to my wife. At least that's what she says. Uh, But it's easy to talk and, and listen, or it's easy to talk and to give advice. Sometimes you just need to be present. And shut up and let somebody talk and uh yeah i don't know what else i have really to say about that other than i think it kind of speaks for yourself it speaks for itself that to have someone just to listen mm-hmm. and to be present with you there's something amazing like what exactly what you're doing is so good for me to talk about this because you've given a platform for people to be heard mm-hmm. for people to to listen to their stories. And I wonder if your podcast has meant more to the people who have graced this seat um, than even the people who have listened um, in your audience. Because mm-hmm. you're giving people in, an environment to be heard. That's a beautiful. It's a beautiful. But to to be a good listener, I think is a it is a remarkable gift. It's a, it can be learned. But to do it innately, it is a remarkable gift. Yeah. Wow. You
0: used the word grit in here uh, a couple times. Um, and that word resonates with me really well, too. Because my parents came over from Vietnam off of a boat 33 days on the... What year did they come over? At, at mid seventy seventy-five, 75, I think. Mm. And... In my wedding speech, I use the word grit, in front of 300 people, to describe my parents' journey. Because it does take a lot of grit and de- determination to leave a country that you were born in to yeah, come to a country that you had no idea, but the country you are here now and present in, you respect and you love, and you that's your new that's your country now. My parents claim the United States as their country, and. They had to learn, read, write, speak English through sponsors mm-hmm. and become citizens and guards and were able to sponsor their family.
1: How over. much English did they
0: speak coming over here? Mm-hmm. None, none, none. none. My mom does. spoke a little bit. They they had English classes. That, that takes some grit. Yeah. Maybe grit times two.
1: Yeah,
0: that's an extra serving of grit. Yeah,
1: that's amazing. What does grit mean to you in this book? Hmm. Well, grit. You know it. Grit is tenacity. It's not some I mean, you're gonna you're you're gonna grit your teeth and I'm gonna go out this. And for your parents to come over all the way from Vietnam, it wasn't all right, dear, you ready to go? You ready to go to America? You know. <laughs> right. Um, there were challenges that only they only they knew about. Mm-hmm. Um what it was like to leave family. Um, to leave their culture, to leave their food, to leave a language and to go and to adopt another. Yeah. I mean, gosh, the, and not just grit in a moment, but grit over a long season. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's probably moments of, man, it'd be easy just to go back home. Yeah. I wish we could go back home. Yeah. And yeah, that's just, that's, that's amazing for me when, when I was going through this, it's, it's hard. It's weird to talk about going through grief and having to have grit, but when so 2015, you know, I, it was just a wreck. I don't really, honestly, remember a lot of it. Mm-hmm. 2016, I sat down with a colleague from from church, great man, he's pastoral uh, counselor, and uh, he just sat down and he just asked me questions. It was wonderful, and. I knew 2016 was going to be my year of hope. I may not be where I need to be, but it's gonna be my year of hope. God's gonna give me, it's gonna pull back the curtains a little bit, and I'm gonna see I'm gonna get through this. Yeah. And so going through that, there were some times that I like I just wanted to quit my job.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I wanted to quit being a dad at moments. Yeah. And this would be a lot easier. I I might just get in the car and drive. And it sounds crazy to even say that, but I was so overwhelmed with what I was going through to even look at life. It's just so overwhelming. It took such it grit. But the hard work of dealing with pain takes grit. Mm-hmm. To go and um, to sit across from a therapist and bury your heart, is not always easy to do. Right. Some people have asked me if, if the book was hard to write. But I wrote the book because I had to look it in the eye. I knew that grief had slapped me around. It had punched me in the nose one too many times in the wrong circumstances. And I thought, I'm not gonna let it do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna look it in the eye, I'm gonna punch it in the mouth. Yeah. And so I didn't know what I needed to do. We're on vacation, Manitou Springs. Yeah sitting on the back porch and I just started writing and I knew exactly what I was going to write about. And I, and I thought I have to write this book. If nobody ever reads it, I have to write this book. And um, so people have asked me if it was hard to write and it was not hard to write in the sense of looking within. Mm -hmm. It was hard to write because anytime you try to write a book by yourself, it's just hard. Sometimes the words flow. Sometimes yeah. you gotta dig for the words. Sometimes yeah. you just gotta be patient enough for the words to come. Yeah. And so July of 2017, I think is what it was, sitting there by uh, Mother's Day of 2018, it was on Amazon. So I, I mean, I snapped through it. And and really try not to waste any time. Mm-hmm. The first draft I think was done in March, something like that, of two thousand eighteen, yeah. and had just really good friends who offered to help me edit it. That's awesome. And I don't know if this answers any question at all. It does. Okay. It
0: does because I was asking about grit and what it meant to you, and you yeah.
1: nailed it again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, to go, you don't drift towards writing a book. You mm-hmm. have to set your mind to it and uh some nights i stayed up late and some mornings i had to get up a little bit earlier and some of my days off um i i had to work on i'm just looking at that picture of my mom i think my mom was i think she was probably in her early 20s mm-hmm. that picture yeah but i'm glad I, i'm glad i went through it I'm, I'm glad i wrote that i'm
0: glad you did too man mm-hmm. I remember when I reached out to you and I was like, hey, I'm going to order one of those books. And you're like, no, I'm going to send it to you. I was like, no. And then you insisted. So I was like, okay. And it came in the mail and it had a return address in Amarillo, Texas. And I told Marcus, like, man I, man, I thought the pastor lived in Norman. That's when I thought you lived in <laughs> yeah. Norman. So,
1: yeah. I, I gave away far more <laughs> than I ever saw. I didn't. I wanted to make it entirely free. Originally, I was yeah. just going to make it a Kindle book. Yeah. And and then by the encouragement of other people, you need to make this into a written book. It's yeah. so, you're going to want it. and Yeah.
0: I'm glad I did. Yeah. yeah. You brought along several copies that I'll be able to hand out to my friends who... They're yeah. all Just tell me. Oh, yeah. For sure. One more quote, and then I'd like to pick your brain about um, chapter seven. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the last chapter. I think that's the last chapter of your yep. book. Um, but this was in chapter six. This quote: "The greatest conflicts of my life have been with the people I love most—my siblings. You have mm-hmm. you have
1: brothers and a sister, right? I have three brothers and a sister. Yeah, Danny, who's closest to me. Then there's Mike. Then there's Tom. And then my poor sister mm-hmm. had to deal with four
0: <laughs> brothers.
1: I even wrote in there. I was like, if I could change anything in there, I would get my sister." a sister. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah, in particular, my siblings who were closest to me in age had the greatest conflicts. My I don't know, my poor parents what we did to each other and they had to see yeah, uh, my girls, they're 10 and 7, and they uh, when they argue and go at each other's throats, it I mean, it wears on us. Mm-hmm. It, you know, then it kind of brings out the worst in us. Teaching them how to handle conflict, we didn't just yell at each other. I mean, we fought, wrestled, and my brother—I wrote in there uh, our, our favorite Matt and Danny story. He made me mad one time, and we were playing wiffle ball, and I just came up with the wiffle ball yeah. bat, and I just whacked him across the stomach. And I was probably 10 years old, so I mean I could swing it pretty hard. Mm. And, you know, he's got a spot across his stomach. And my oldest brother Tom comes and he swats me across the leg and mm. was like getting stung by a bunch of wasps. And my mom was worried that social services were gonna get or family <laughs> services was gonna get called. And those are just little things that yeah. that we did, but always being in each other's throats um but any one of my siblings my sister and and all three of my brothers if i would call any one of those any one of them in a heart heartbeat if i needed um if i needed help i needed a friend yeah and um sometimes we still fight yeah Yeah. of course sometimes we still give each other a hard time Uh, but not not like we did then we were we were boys yeah we were boys, and I was the littlest, so usually, right, I was the recipient, mm-hmm. and then because I had a temper, I would respond, right? And um, yeah, wow, That's usually how that went.
0: Yeah, I was interested in that because I, I saw that in chapter six. I want to ask about his brothers and sisters because I, I read about some of these instances and running around. Him chasing you, and then you have, like you mentioned earlier, you have a bad temper,
1: and yeah, yeah, yeah. they had a way of provoking me. Anybody who has, you know, siblings can understand what yeah. it's like. Uh, yeah, and the stories that you can tell. But man, we were so mean to each other. Me being the littlest, yeah. they knew the buttons to yeah. push and when to push them. Yeah, and I just happened to know where to kick. You know, yeah. right between the legs. That's, that's <laughs> what I knew. Yeah. So
0: chapter seven is uh for me, chapters one through six was a a good um, dive into your life growing up, your parents, and even you you touching on your grandparents too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when I got to chapter seven, it's kind of like what is almost modern day as far as the last few years of your life and I'll be honest with you, and I, every time I read this book three times, every time chapter seven got me, mm-hmm. and what, you writing this book, which chapter
1: was the hardest and why, or which chapter meant the most to you and why? Chapter seven was was definitely the most important chapter I wrote. It was the, actually the first chapter that I wrote. Wow. Um because uh, well for a couple of different reasons it that most importantly it was it was when i saw life come full circle for me mm-hmm. my mom's and i see you at saint francis hospital the pink hospital in tulsa yeah and it was literally not even a mile from where we lived in tulsa and looking out the window and i'm looking at the Fortune Park, baseball fields, all the wonderful times we had there. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking how difficult it was when I was 16 to move away. Yeah. And here I am, I'm 33 years old. And I had just moved from St. Louis area to Amarillo to West Texas. And I'm still thinking how hard it was to move from that place to that place. Yeah. And life had just kind of come full circle. And this next chapter, this new season. And it it was a way for me to to process the I entitled it winter because mm-hmm. that was I was in such a winter and a fog. I was the on that was kind of when depression and cold just stuff. Yeah, it yeah. was just everything just it just hurt. Mm-hmm. And um I knew in writing that chapter that even though it was hurt, you know, is even though it hurt, even though it was a cold season, spring was going to come. Mm-hmm. And spring did come. Yeah. I really believe I'm in the spring of my life. Yeah. Um. So that was definitely the most, it was the most important chapter for me to write. Mm-hmm. Because it was the, it was the most complete story of my own experience going through a winter season as a teenager. Yeah. And then going through a se- winter season as an adult, right, right. And then I had to go through this next winter season without my mother, and it was because of my mother. You know, losing my mother—it wasn't her fault by any means. But, um, but there are so many times I, I wish I, I wish I could call. I wish I could call mom and yeah. talk to her yeah. about this, since she was such a good listener. Yeah, and I'm. Like- <laughs> So sometimes I get on Facebook. I'm yeah. like her legacy Facebook person, mm-hmm. and sometimes big things happen in in our family. And I like to get on Messenger on her Facebook account, and I'll go in. And, I'm so proud of you guys. Yeah, <laughs> and it says it's from her. You know, so that's cool,
0: man. I uh, well that chapter seven, like I said, I, that was hard every time for me to read and get through. And the words you use weren't like where i had to go up and look what the word meant however the words were simple but they had such deep meaning on mm-hmm. your description of what you went through and what your mom meant to you and it's in a way is therapeutic for me to actually get through that because i am even just sitting across from you man i'm so just proud to know you mm-hmm. as just a person you know forget the pastor and all that i mean not to be real just as no. a person man it it takes courage in my opinion to oh thank you and and go and punch it in the mouth and i'm gonna face this because there's a lot of people that won't though
1: i've got on. a i've got a friend that you know he, he lost his mom when he was 15. And yeah. he's in his mid-20s now and never grieved his mom and he's just a wreck and so broken-hearted and um, you, you don't go around grief. You don't go over it, you don't go you go through it. Uh-huh. And that's the only way to go through grief. And you know, it's you, you grieve differently, you know, removed from it. Right. And um yeah, I, I I just love my dear mother. And it was an honor to write about her. It's an honor to talk about her. Yeah. And um I'm glad that my girls and my nieces and nephews who lost their grandmother will have something that is a record mm-hmm. of who she was. And hopefully they become a little bit like
0: her. Yeah, for sure, man. Out of the, writing this book, what are some things you uh, you've learned about yourself?
1: Well, I am a deep feeler. And when I was... I say I was never great in the classroom, but I love to learn, mm-hmm. and I was always very kind of heady mm-hmm. and this it was really a journey from from my head to my heart yeah and and embracing who I was as a person right um that it's okay to be a, a feeler, a deep feeler, and a man um I learned that I'm not as i'm learning I'm pretty flawed yeah that i you know I have some emotional things that even a great life you know I'm, i've been fortunate enough to have been protected and shielded mm-hmm. in my life but i also know what it's like to have people who don't like you and yeah. um, people who say mean things about you mm-hmm. um, and I, i've learned what it's like to keep going and pressing forward when when there are haters um, but I've i've learned probably more than anything that god is faithful and he uh he's called me along for the ride. Yeah. And it's an honor to tell my story. It's an honor to to be who I am. And I'm still been doing a lot of I don't know if you've heard of the Enneagram. Have you heard I've of it? I've heard Enneagram? of it, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh I'm really enthralled by all of it because it's so accessible, mm-hmm. everything to learn about it. Yeah. And so now I'm in this I'm trying to understand more and more about myself. Yeah. But I always say I'm just I'm growing in, growing into the shoes of my calling, mm-hmm. and the best version of myself. Right on. And whatever I do, I, I I just hope who I am outmatches what I do. Yeah, I like it, man. That's what I want. Two more questions for you. Yeah.
0: My next one is, you're in, you mentioned you're in the spring of your life. So what's your path forward now for Matt Campbell, Pastor Matt Campbell? What's your path forward?
1: Yeah. So 2019 is going to be a great year, and I've committed to being faithful where I'm at Mm -hmm. and walking through all the doors that are open. Yeah. In the past, I always shied away from taking some risks. Yeah. And this is a year that I'm going to say yes. I'm going to do the word for me this year is the word more. Man. And so I'm going to be faithful where I'm at, and I'm going to walk through all the doors that are open yeah, you know, such as like being on Defining Moments podcast. And wow. 2020, I don't know what that holds, but yeah. I'm going to be faithful where I'm at. And I'm going to walk through every door that's open for me. Wow. So your
0: word of the year is more. Mm-hmm. My wife's word of the year is consistency. One of my friends I uh, did podcast with, he asked me what my word is. And his word is connect. And mm-hmm. my word is you. Why are you? Yeah. So it's interesting.
1: Yeah. yeah. I I was so overwhelmed for so long by responsibility yeah. and some of it was just me mm-hmm. that to go through a season when I, I just focused on myself. Yeah. I did ministry and and pastored people, but it was a it was a time of really deep introspection. And now it's a time to flip the script. And now I'm gonna look out and do more. I love it, man. I want to walk through all the doors that the Lord opens. I like it. How do you want to be remembered? Mm. As a faithful husband, loving, loving husband, tender and mercy with my kids. Took God seriously. Mm. Took God at His word, and I'll go wherever He goes, whatever do whatever He wants me to do. I love it, man. How do people get in touch with you? Probably the easiest way is through Instagram, CampbellSoup.Matt. CampbellSoup.Matt campbellsoup.mat um, they can also look up the book through Amazon right and you know, me and my mom connecting the dots of a mother's legacy by Matthew Campbell and I'm most active on Facebook or on Instagram I have a Facebook account but I'm not as active on it yeah, yeah. and I I like pictures anyway. So yeah I'm a little more active on Facebook yeah or they can contact you and you can get them in touch with me oh yeah for sure man you
0: also one last thing is you got into doing and designing your own
1: cutting boards mm-hmm. real quick man how did you get into this well i like to do things with my hands okay. my wife's an interior designer okay she does actually real real construction work mm-hmm. um or she tells people how to do it yeah and i just got into it i love working in the garage jesus was a carpenter so yeah. I thought i'm gonna be a carpenter <laughs> and it gives in ministry you don't you, you don't often see the fruit of what you're working on right after and so anything with woodworking, not not even just cutting boards, but yeah. anything woodworking, I don't have all the greatest like tools in my garage. Right. And so I have to sometimes get creative, but those epoxy pour videos that you see on Instagram, mm-hmm. oh man, those are the best. I love. Oh, yeah. Watching the girls are watching with me. <laughs> wow. Um, and so hopefully I'll, I'll learn a little more, and I'm I'm trying to become maybe not a furniture maker, mm-hmm. but you know, doing things yeah. and giving some being uh, detailed in what I do and yeah. it's slow and meticulous, yeah. which is good for me because I like to rush through things. Yeah. And, but cutting boards are fun and they're really not that hard to make. And, uh, but love to do it. It's Very fun. Good. I made you one. Yeah, you did. Yeah. I love it, man. That's awesome. I think your video is not going anymore, but I'll put your logo on it. Yeah. Stamped it with my thing. I'll put it on a video. I'll make one specially for this. This is
0: awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah,
1: it's it's oak and cedar mm-hmm. and poplar. Love it, man.
0: So awesome.
1: And and if it if it um doesn't work out, um, you know, just use it on a cold day in your fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> That's not gonna happen, man. <laughs> <laughs> what hurt my feelings?
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking your time. Yeah. Four we'll. and a half hours to come up
1: here. It's an honor. And uh Share your stories with us. Man. People need to know. People need to know more about the Defining Moments podcast, yeah. and you are making a significant contribution to uh, to your community. Yeah. And through your coaching, through this, and uh, we all know the real story behind the scenes <laughs> is Margie. That's exactly so way they... to go, Margie! And the design work for your stuff is so good. You guys have such good swag well she does all that too yeah she's <laughs> a rock star man she's yeah, awesome yeah. thank you for having me on it's really
0: been a treat really absolutely a treat. man alright so travels home alright alright I truly hope you enjoyed this podcast if you have a defining moment or moments you would like to share please reach out to me I would love to visit with you about it and share it with the world on a podcast here's how to find me visit my website www. DefiningMomentsPod.com. Follow me on Twitter at DefMomentsPod That's at D-E-F Moments Pod Search me on Facebook, Defining Moments Podcast Follow me on Instagram at Defining Moments Podcast That's all one word, at Defining Moments Podcast Subscribe to Defining Moments Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts If you enjoyed listening to this show I would be extremely honored if you gave us a review. This helps boost this podcast so more people can find it. Go out and be a positive influence today, every day. Make someone smile. My name is Wong Lam and I approve this podcast.